Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hey listeners, it's Trish Hammond here from Transforming Bodies. And tonight I'm speaking with Dr. Matthew Peters. Now he's a specialist plastic surgeon based in Brisbane, Valley Plastic Surgery, and he is a, oh, what would you call it, a weight loss patient skin removal specialist. That's the best way that I can put it in. <laughs> yeah, so welcome. And tonight we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be talking about arm lift which is this wobbly stuff under here and we're going to be talking about thigh lift I'm not going to wobble that on here because that could be really scary but welcome thanks for having me oh thanks so much for joining us tonight. I know you've had a really busy day and for those that don't know it's like quarter past actually it's half past eight oh quarter past eight at night so it's um you know most people are home had dinner sitting in front of the telly but no no not no. Matthew Peters he's still at work so thank you thank you so much that's right thanks for having me Pleasure. So, look, tell us. I know you do lots of um, and thigh surgery, and lots of weight loss it's surgery for weight loss patients, patients who have lost weight and you know want to remove their skin. So, can you tell us a little bit about the the arm surgery? First, first of all, brachioplasty. So, what actually is it? Like, I know it's removal of skin, but like, how does it work? Okay, so it's handy. I'm wearing this top tonight, actually. So. Everyone sort of comes along and holds their arm out and says, hey, I hate this stuff. Okay. And so a brachioplasty is essentially a designed surgical approach that essentially bases a scar or aims to sort of base a scar within here to allow us to address and remove this stuff and lift it all up and sort of taper that both in the elbow sort of area into the forearm, but sort of down into the armpit as well. So a brachioplasty is addressing that reduces that loose sort of skin bulk mm -hmm. and also sort of tightens up the whole area so that when you're not just holding the arm out like this, when you've got your arm down, which is most of the time, you don't have that crepiness and all that sort of trouble through the front, which just affects so many people. By reducing this, it makes everything and the rest of it quite tight. Yeah. And so, because I know like they, we call them tuck shop arms these days. A lot of people call them tuck shop tuck shop arms got to better get that one right don't want to say that wrong but um so basically it's it's this bit here that yeah. wobbles i'm holding it firm at the moment but it's this bit here that wobbles after you've lost weight yeah. and you don't like because some people have a, like a massive big one because they've lost heaps yeah. of weight but you were just saying the cut goes all the way down so obviously it depends on how much is is to be removed hey because like if i was having it my cut wouldn't like it wouldn't your cut wouldn't have to go down to your arm sort of pit area there, no, it would sort of just taper in. There's different ways and different lengths at either end, yeah. depending on how we need to sort of, obviously how much is there, but also how we blend it in either end. Yeah, right. So, and, yeah. and what about like, how do you know where to market for the scar? Because like, obviously it's a big scar and which is gonna be different on everyone, but it's a really long scar. There's different ways to do it, but the way that I use, the way that I was taught essentially was to use that groove, sort of that that line in there. I'm feeling a bit small here, Trish, by the way. I don't have the muscles. But if I had muscles, there'd be a line there. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so that line there, so that's the line that I'll sort of use as a reference point. And so I dot that out, the line there. And then I actually start grabbing the tissue and just pinching it up. And I sort of roll it up and into where that crease is. 
Yeah. And you start to then sort of dot out where the excess is and you design essentially a really big ellipse mm-hmm. of tissue. It's a bit of a funny shape. It's all tailored to the patient. So I draw that first. Yeah. And then the other thing that my patients notice me do is that when I'm doing it, I actually mark the other side because the arm itself is just a big tube. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I'm planning on taking out all of this skin between sort of here and around there and bringing that up into there, I don't want to have all this extra fat and everything around the back there that's going to be sitting wanting to drag it back or drag it down. So I mark the other side so that I actually liposuck out that whole posterior compartment so that I can then have an emptier thing to pull up and set in place without having extra weight to drag it down. So I'm glad you mentioned about the liposuction. So so basically it's it's skin, like, because what is this? I know that sounds really bad, but what is this stuff? It's just skin and fat. There's no... Obviously, there's no bones, but there's muscles like. Yeah. So, again, think of your arm as a circle, okay? And right in the middle is the bone. But then you've got skin, fat, and then there's this layer of tissue that's sort of almost like the outer aspect of a sausage. Mm-hmm. And inside that is muscle, okay? So, I'm dealing with when I do this sort of surgery, all of that skin and fat in that targeted zone that's actually superficial or shallower than that inner sausage of supportive tissue and then underlying muscle. It's important for us to stay above that sort of arrangement because all the nerves that move this little arrangement run sort of within the muscle bellies all in that zone. Um, You don't want to damage those. There's major vessels in there as well that supply the hand and the forearm. Uh, And there's also the lymphatics, which are really important in terms of reducing long-term or persistent swelling. So, yeah, we've got to work in that outer aspect of the arm. Yeah. And so the liposuction that you do is kind of here to get rid of the fat so that it's a smooth, so that like... So there's less bulk. So that when you go and sort of cut out that tissue, which in everyone is super thin... So I cut that out, but before I do that, I liposuck that whole area so that I just have less weight wanting to drag me back and less sort of stuff that's trying to pull it and widen that scar. So that's that's what I do. And I also find the liposuction allows me, because liposuction in general, it looks like it's done through the tiniest little hole, so it doesn't look like much, but the inside area that we're operating on, it's all emptied out. It looks like honeycomb, and you get internal scarring where that inner aspect sticks back down so by liposucking moving it around you actually get a bit more adherence of that skin to that area so that it's sort of held up a bit so i I find it quite beneficial yeah and i guess smoother in a way yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what i find yeah i mean because think about it like if i like i go from fat (laughs) to someone skinny just with like, like it, it must make a massive, di- it's something that I want, so it's on my list, but it must make a massive difference to people who, like, because I know a girl that's lost 100 kilos and that was, that's the only thing she's had done so far because she wants to have kids, but she started from there and now she can actually wear dresses and just like, like that to that yeah. is a massive difference. Imagine like, yeah. all the way and, down there. Um, yeah, it's a big change and it really affects, especially a lot of my patients that have lost weight, they haven't just done it in isolation with just bariatric surgery or diet. There's so much work with exercise. And so they really feel it with those arms when they're moving. They're very self-conscious of just that feeling of just a pendulum of that weight they described just moving around. 
And also, like, when you're exercising, it's pretty hot. So they're trying to wear tops like yours where, you know, it's a bit more comfortable and um, and they're just a bit self-conscious of it. So, yeah, to get rid of that, yeah, it tidies it up. But it's not just for making it look good like that. It really makes a difference when the arms are down. It just gets rid of that loose, crepey stuff and everything hanging out the side and functionally just so much easier to exercise with. Yeah, of course. And so... So with, is there any pre- preparation, for, like say, for example, if um, like I'm going to go to the gym and get muscles and, you know, get really fit before, does that, like, does it make a difference if you've got muscles? Uh, not really, but I'm surprised, like, the number of people actually get away without needing their arms done is actually a, a percentage. Like, there's a few people that do exercise and they find that just bulking up their triceps and biceps does actually take up some of the skin so yeah I've certainly got a percentage of patients that surprise me when you look at the rest of it and then you look at the arms and you think oh they're actually in pretty good nick so there's a percentage of people that can sort of tone up and get a benefit out of doing that Um, but equally like there's more of a percentage of people that just find that that stuff just drops and it just doesn't bounce back so if you did but but um it wouldn't be a contraindication if you had muscles is what I'm saying. So muscles, I know this is going to be really stupid, but muscles don't grow down there, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like, would you build up a muscle down here or is that just all the skin? And not, not in that skin, but you've got the tricep muscle. So on the front, you've got the bicep, but on the back, you've got the tricep thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That allows you to push things away. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where people do all those overhead things and yeah, yeah all that stuff to build those up. Yeah, right. And if someone was coming to have surgery with you, would you would you tell them to either, you know, get fit, you know, get arm fit or it doesn't matter or, like, oh, is it going to be oh, bad if they have I, like, I don't meet too many patients these days who just come along and say, hey, I've lost all this weight just from bariatric surgery and fix it up. Some of them have this massive shift in just their lifestyles. They actually see it as a trigger point to get healthy and do more. So, yeah, every patient pretty much is really active. They make me feel lazy. That's how active they are. They're going to the gym more than I go to the gym ever. So they're really busy people and they're already exercising. I know what you mean. Some people really embrace it and just go with it and totally turn over their life. Well, that's the whole life around. They, yeah. they just do the whole package and they do it really well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so so with the actual procedure itself, how long does it take? Or does it depend on the size of the arms? Or Yeah, it, well, it can, yes, definitely. And it depends also on just other bits and pieces in relation to the armpit. Mm-hmm. Um I tend to sort of put aside two hours, um, an hour and a half, you know, sometimes smaller people, but yeah, normally I put aside a couple of hours to do it. Yeah. And is any of, um, is any of, uh, are patients entitled to anything with Medicare if they have those big fat wings from from weight? Yeah. So if they've got evidence of massive weight loss, then there's lipectomies for non-abdominal areas. And depending on their health insurance or at least they get some Medicare rebate against that if they're self-funding, um, then, yes, there is that item number for that. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful because, like, God, it's expensive enough getting it all done. So all yeah. right, another thing I was going to ask you is what about post-surgery? So, first of all, is it just day surgery or do you stay in overnight? Do you have drains or...? I tend to not use drains. These questions. You'd think I'd know these questions, but I actually genuinely don't. 
um, look, a lot of people don't do it as day surgery. It's actually an operation that, like, some people do it in isolation. The majority of people will do arms and thighs or arms and breasts, arms, breasts, upper back. Like, it's a combination type line quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but in isolation, if someone came and said, I just want my arms done, I'd talk to them about at least staying overnight. There's compression wear. I want really good arm elevation with pillows. They, they've got less functionality with their upper limbs as well and they don't exactly know what they're going to need to be doing and often they just don't know how to rely upon a loved one or otherwise to support them especially that first night when things are a little bit different Um, so being in hospital nurses teaching them what to do what's good or not good um, that's all sort of what I tend to see make it a bit smoother so yeah an overnight stay at least um, I don't use drains with this and the liposuction, the little hole at the back there, it's like lots of other lipo things. We don't actually close it. So we just have little pads there that deal with any fluid that comes through. And there's different compression wear garments that we use. And depending on the size of the patient and what I'm looking at, it's either tubey grip and I actually do it all the way from the thumb up the forearm up to about there. And then I have a second lot that sort of overlaps in that zone. Uh, or there's these compression sort of almost cardigans that people wear sort of that go over the back and they can still wear the regular bras with that. There's other vest type things and stuff like that that we can sometimes use depending on the patient. You're right. So basically you come out of surgery and you have to have your arms elevated. No, no, no. It's almost like, um, you know, that sort of big Game of Thrones chair thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sitting there like this with your arms on on pillows so you're sort of like you know king of the castle for a bit um queen of the kingdom so yeah you've got your your arms up just to sort of help with a bit of swelling that that's it um i just find that if you have your arms down you can get a bit of extra swelling um and people tend to recognize that as stiffness in their fingers they sort of feel a bit stiff and one of the questions i do ask people pre-op is whether they ever suffer from carpal tunnel um, so a bit of an ache in their wrist with prolonged typing or prolonged fine work with their hands. And, um, and it's those patients that sometimes I warn them that the elevation they might need to do for longer because if they have their hand down, that fluid accumulation there can cause a bit of an ache. Yeah. Yeah, they tend to notice it down here. Yeah, right. And so then they come out of hospital. How long do you reckon? Because like, obviously, can you feed yourself? Yeah. Okay. Like okay. I'm not operating on any of this. No, okay. So, you can so they tend to find that they, they're able to just do things in this sort of direction and they're not loading themselves. They're not really using their biceps and picking up heavy things. And that's just for that first sort of week. And then we're starting to reintroduce more activities around the home. So we're going from self-care for a week up to sort of getting to a point after a week of doing stuff in the kitchen, maybe back at the work sort of desk doing a few things. Um, The pain at that point in time is usually pretty good. So mentally they're okay to work as well. Um, And then after about a week and a half, two weeks, people are starting to think about actively driving and doing things with their upper limbs. Certainly in terms of returning back to picking up heavy things, I usually, uh, I break it down to say, hey, just don't pick up a laundry basket and stretch to hang it out for the first three weeks. Um, And then beyond that, start to introduce just simple things with the upper limbs uh, if you need to, resistance bands, just cables sort of exercises out to about week six and then start to reintroduce the dumbbells and stuff. If you do dumbbells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) That won't be me. (laughs) The same. Um, So how long do you reckon, because that's like, like two weeks you could probably get back to work by the sound of it if you're working or even one to two yeah, after a week you're able to do a lot yeah okay 
All right. And then how long do you have to wear the compression for? I have people in the full length for two weeks and then some sort of compression for at least four weeks. It really depends though. So some people develop a bit of swelling or fluid collections around the elbow. Mm -hmm. So if people start to notice that after sort of four weeks or so, I just get them back into the compression wear in that zone. So that's sort of an area where the lymphatics do run through and it's also the lowest point. So when people start to get more active and get out and about, their arms are obviously back down here. They're not resting like this. And the internal aspect of the wound can be a, a sort of a dam area that the fluid builds up in. So if that happens, I get them back in the compression wear to try and prevent that area being a constant area that can fill up. Yeah, right. And so they have surgery, they stay in the night or so, and then do like, um, obviously you check them out. When can they go home? Oh, they can go home. I, I see them the next day and if they're good and they say, yeah, I think I'm going to be safe at home, I just need to make sure people are safe yeah. um, and their pain and everything's okay, then I'm happy for them to go home. And with the stitches, they're, they're not they just dissolvable or they have to get removed or how does that work? So I only use internal dissolvable mm -hmm. and I use all the glue tapes and all that sort of stuff and layering up all of that. Um, I, I don't use any external sutures for this particular procedure. Oh, so the stitches are inside and then they just dissolve? Yep. Oh, wow. So does that leave a, like a, a smoother line? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it does. I mean, it limits, it limits the evidence of surgical trauma just to the actual surgical line. Whereas if you think about um, if you have an external stitch, it's causing it trauma, these little holes where you put the stitch in, where you pull it out, and then people can get those dots either side Yep. if that suture is left in for more than seven days. Yep. Um, sometimes you can get like little cross hatches from where the suture has dug in as well. Yep. So there's things like that that can occur, and especially in areas where we're making it a little bit tight and then it's going to swell up a bit. If you do put an external stitch in, it can cause that cross hatch sort of scar to form. Yeah, right. Well, that's so interesting. So that, so that's kind of all the questions I reckon about an arm lift, like I'm going to seriously book myself in. But what about the thighs? How, like, is that really similar in the sense of the lipo and all that? Or, or, or because you've got to, some people, I mean, everyone's thighs different. And I've seen some really, you know, some where it's just like at the front and some where it's like all the way down. So can you tell us a bit about the different thigh? Yeah, yeah. So it really does depend on what we're dealing with here. Have we got excess skin that is just basically, if you were to grab the inner aspect of your thigh and pull it like this, does that just sort of tighten it up and you go, yep, great. So is the laxity what we call just transverse or horizontal? Or is it an issue where we've got that in addition to needing to lift it up? Okay, so has someone got skin that's fallen down in addition to being excessive, okay? And then we've got location considerations. Is it all in the front? Is it all in the middle? Is it in the front and the middle? Or is it just globally excessive? It's rare for people to have excessive skin out along the lateral aspect, sort of from the sort of upper third down to the knee. There's a really tight band of tissue there called the iliotibial band, and the skin's really adherent. But occasionally people also have that tissue excess that's in the greater trochanter or the hip zone, a really common story zone, especially in females, and that can extend around into the buttocks. So part of the thigh, it's a case of looking at it and going, where are the trouble areas for you? And 
just pointing them out as well with the patient. Is it just in the middle? Is it something where we can tighten up just this way? Do I need to add a lift? Do I need to debulk the outer part with liposuction or do I need to plan for cutting out extra skin in that zone as well? So it can be, it's multiple areas, of course. It does, in my mind, break down to, is it something where I'm just doing, like we can just do a little cutout of skin at the upper thigh and drag that up? Mm-hmm. And that's often in combination with liposuction of a storage fat pad that's in the upper third of the inner thigh that everyone has. Oh, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. So is that where um, you just lift it up and the, and the scar is actually on the inside of the leg like, like that? Yeah, right up in the crease. Right. Right up in the crease, okay. Um, so that, that's like a little banana shape cut out of skin. Okay, yep. so we can do that. Or if someone just has excess that, if they were just to grab that fat pad and pinch it together on the inner aspect of their leg, then we can do just a vertical thigh reduction. So it's just a scar that goes from the groin crease down. Or if someone has that need for the lift part, we're adding that vertical reduction with the banana cutout. So we're doing the vertical and the banana cutout to lift up. So that's what creates the T-junction thigh reduction. Yeah. And, yeah, because I, I saw someone with the T junction that had where, where the where the T meets. Yeah. Um, you can get that. You can get um and then you know you have to be careful not to get an infection. Oh, it, that area there. So the way that we lift things and tighten things, like it really depends. The skin can be very thin in that zone, yeah. um, and even if it's not super thin, the actual like fat that's in that part, it almost just falls away in your hands. And so when we do this sort of thing, you try and hitch it up and there's a ligament that you can feel right at the top of your thigh for a muscle called the ductor longus where it attaches to the pelvis. And we sort of use that as a, as a, as a reference point for where we try to hatch things onto or hitch things onto deep. Mm-hmm. But even doing that to take the tension off the skin, we don't rely on the skin to hold it up. The blood supply to those tips can sometimes die back. If I I counsel all my patients, if I'm going to see any issues with T junctions or wound healing in any of my patients, it's in a thigh lift in that T, mm-hmm. and you can get some wound breakdown in that zone. And we we I just say we've got good nurses; they're going to look after you. And it's surprising how quickly that scar heals. Really, because yeah. like I just have I have a vision of having to walk around. <laughs> like this you know with your legs if you have your legs done but i've not seen it it just it's more in my own head i think yeah. uh, the patients i have it done i did one on saturday just gone um yeah. and she's everyone's got these really good firm compression wear that i i use drains with thighs by the way and they sort of come out down near the knee region but um they've got this good compression wear that sort of comes up if they're doing thighs alone it's like just a long bike pan Yep. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it goes below the knees if I have to do any liposuction around the medial knee area or the upper part of the leg in front of the bone there. Um, or I'll go with a slightly shorter bike pan if I'm not needing to do anything there. But it gives them good support and they don't sort of feel... like They're, they're aware. They've had an operation and they've got issues when it comes to sitting down and toileting and they certainly need to be mindful. But um, the compression wear allows them to sort of move a bit. Yeah, it was really funny because, because like people that have their arms and their thighs done, you don't hear much, you know, the recovery seems to actually be okay. Like I would have thought it would be different, but I've not really heard anyone that's had a bad recovery from that. Myself. Yeah, the only thing that we ever see um, is T-junction healing issues yeah. with the thighs. Yeah. 
We sometimes see some collections of fluid down around the knee, sometimes some suture reactions as well. Um, there can be um, small little wound breakdowns occasionally in the bypass patients. And we really need to focus on protein and stuff like that here with the thighs um, and with the arms, but as more so I think with the thighs. And then um, with the arms, just um, it's primarily, we may see some swelling or the need to sort of, when you tighten all of this up, you don't go too tight. You don't want to do that because it can spring apart, get a wide scar or even affect the blood supply of the hand. But how that transitions down beyond the elbow, sometimes there can be a little bit more of an obvious sort of like fullness there that sometimes needs a revision in the future. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, right. And with the thighs, is that overnight as well? Yeah. No, I tend to sort of recommend a couple of nights in hospital just so they can test their mobility out with the physiotherapists and make sure they feel comfortable. Um, you know, toileting with those garments, undoing them. Yeah. I think that's the perfect time where you could do with a she-wee. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Just imagining it was like, I don't know about going to the toilet. Like, just, just the thought of it sort of like freaking me out a bit. But, yeah. Anyway. I'll leave that with you. But sure, I'll let the nurses get a few and try them out. So with that one, how long does that procedure take? A couple of hours. Okay. All right. Yeah. And is there any pre-things that the patient needs to do to get ready for it or? No. Same as any other operation. I always just ask that people focus on eating well, maintaining stable weight, thinking about vitamin C, zinc and protein. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's really funny because everybody that, uh, and I actually really mean everybody that I've ever spoken to who is really healthy when they go into surgery, by really healthy, I mean like exercises all the time, walks all the time, eats properly and all that, like uber, uber healthy, like their recovery tends to be quicker. There's there's no doubt in my mind at all. I don't know if that's just in my imagination, but I've seen it time and time again, you know. No, it's true. And um yeah, but a lot, like, almost everyone I see is really, nobody's ever handing me their problem and saying, oh, I don't know, mate, you just sort it out, make it good. They're, everyone's invested and I put a lot of effort into getting to this point where they're wanting things done. And so they're really interested in the recovery, what they can do beforehand, what they have to do afterwards. They're really involved in it. So, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they all usually do really well because they just care about the outcome for themselves, really, that yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. I reckon to actually go down that path to actually have the arms and the legs, like you are, you're totally, I mean, you're committed with other stuff as well, but to me, that's like next level. I don't know how, how long has it been that people have been getting it done? Like, has it been? Oh, it's years. You, isn't it? That's a long time. Really? Yeah. yeah I mean, like, God, now I started my training in 2009 and in plastics specifically, and certainly I was seeing people doing it then. Like people have been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where you just you don't know about it until you know you start talking about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So is there anything that you reckon I haven't asked that would be interesting for someone who's having that procedure to know? Um I think the fact is like certainly the people that come and want arms or thighs done, it's usually because of functional concerns with how it moves with their exercise or when they sit down, how things move and change or when they're in the pool and swimming, they're very aware of the movement of skin. Mm -hmm. um, so it certainly addresses those elements. 
the thing that a lot of them find surprising is when I start looking at the lateral thighs and the fat pads out there and I sort of say, hey, by the way, as part of this, we're going to tighten up the inner part and lift it, but let's look at debulk and the lateral so I can bring more in. But also when you debulk the lateral, it changes the concept of where their waist and hips sit. Yep. It's quite a surprising thing with the thighs where you can address that and just change the silhouette from sort of being quite wide to sort of just changing that in and it just lifts the centre of their body up a little bit so that their clothes and dresses and things just look more proportional. Um, so that's a big part of thighs. It's quite different. The other thing is that a lot of people hate the stuff around their knees and they sort of say, oh, I hate this area around my knees. And the thing with the knees is that the knee is a joint. It's got a lot of fat pads around it that produce a lot of fluid that goes into the joint to keep it lubricated. On the inner aspect of the knee, there's the long saphenous vein, there's the saphenous nerve, there's lymphatics behind the knee, there's all the arterial and nerve supply that heads down to make the foot work. That area is really concentrated and we have to be very careful in terms of how aggressive we are there because you don't want to sort of liposuck and pierce into the joint and cause an infection. That would be a disaster. Um, so we do have to be careful around the knee and so I have to point that out. Um, and the other thing is they sort of comment about how I just want to lift this up and make the knee look like that. And like anything in my world, wherever I hitch things up to, the impact of movement it's great at the right at the area where I stitch it up, but the further away I go, the less shift, the less shift I get. So addressing the knee and some of that loose tissue at time, at times like it can sometimes need extra surgery with extra cuts that are quite visible, either on the inner aspect of the knee or even above the knee to lift that tissue up. So would you do a scar above the knee to lift? I have, yes. Oh, I, someone asked me that the other day. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so, but. There you go. Yeah, it really, it's one of those things where you've got to have a very, very good patient who, you know, has a very specific concern. Um, you're just taking out a wedge of tissue and just it just lifts it up off the knee, but you can't take too much because it can affect yeah. movement. And yeah. also you don't want to take so much that, or, or, or manage it in a way where you don't really see it through as a surgeon with good wound care support, taping and all of that. Because scar tissue is only 85% of the strength of normal skin. So if anywhere's going to fatigue around a joint, it's at a scar and it will stretch up. So yeah, it's really got to be a very specific indication to do that. Yeah, right. that, that's really good to know because um, I do get asked about the skin, about even people that aren't overweight, and want to have this, you know, bit of skin routine. I'm like, no, nah, no, you can't, you can't. But obviously, you can. I'm wrong. And you can do bits and pieces, but yeah, I'm always worried about working around joints and just what the implications might be functionally. People have to move, and so yeah, whenever you do something that might, you know, interact with and restrict, that's that's, that's you got to be careful. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Well, I reckon you've answered all my questions. I'm. Like I haven't really ever known much about the arms and the legs because whenever I've seen it, it's kind of actually scared me a little bit. Like, oh, freaks me out. But um, so many people are having great success with it and loving it. And it does. It just, you know, I can go from that to that. Like, how good is that? Yep. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us tonight. That's been amazing. That's been really, really good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Trish. Good to talk to you. Pleasure. And this is, look, if you do want to go and check out Dr. Matthew Peters, you can um, just go to the website, Valley Plastic Surgery, or you can actually go to his um, own website as well, which is 
Dr. Matthew Peters or just MatthewPeters.com.au? If all of that fails, just send me an email to trish at plasticsurgeonhub.com.au and I will send you through. So thanks so much for joining us tonight. No worries, Trish. Thanks so much. See ya. Bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.